Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. Hi, it's Matt Kirkner, your host for the Tech Ed Podcast. You know, we had such amazing content that came out of our discussion with Dr. Bill Pink, president of Grand Rapids Community College, that we turned our discussion into two episodes. You're listening to episode two, where we talk all about the future of the American workforce and building the public-private partnerships that make that future possible. You know, speaking of paying attention and particularly paying attention to industry, I want to turn our attention now to an initiative that your governor, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, has established called the 60 by 30 initiative. And it's a bold goal. It's the goal of increasing the number of working age adults with either a skill certificate or a college degree to 60% of that population by the year 2030, so nine years from today. Would be curious on your thoughts. Is this the right goal for the state of Michigan and for your workforce? And do you believe that it's attainable? So I say yes and yes to that. And here's why I say yes. Number one, the thing I appreciated about Governor Whitmer coming out with the 60 by 30 initiative is that I appreciate someone who steps out and says, you got to start somewhere. You got to put something out there to say, here's a goal. And whether we reach it or not, here's what we need to be shooting for. Before she mentioned that, we as a state, you know, we had some good, you know, sector ideas and regional ideas. But for someone to come out and say, all right, here's what we're going to shoot for. Here's what we're going after. I appreciated that. And so when you have, then she follows it up with Michigan Reconnect Grant. Now you have Futures for Frontliners. But the thing about it is that when you make these avenues to take cost off the table as a barrier, now you're starting to move toward, I mean, just look at what it's done to us. We have a summer enrollment that's more than it was pre-pandemic. So what that says is that that barrier of finance being taken off the table for many folks. And if we can get those barriers off, now we are talking about folks getting completion of a post-secondary credential. And so I think the more we're paying attention to it, one thing we're doing on our campus, we had a deeper conversation than COVID hit. Now we're getting back to the conversation of what is GRCC's part in that? How do we now say, because of your goal, Governor, here's what our goal is. What are those metrics that we're going to set out there that we want to meet to help get to that 60 by 30. And I like the way you answered that question. It's not just about setting that goal, but really looking at what your institution can do at your level to remove those barriers for people. To We've got the goal out here. It's not just saying we have a goal. Now, how are we going to remove barriers? How are we going to get people to the point where they can earn those credentials, where they can earn those degrees? Lots and lots of different strategies for you to get there. I want to explore one of them in particular, I know GRCC is one of the first community colleges in Michigan to become a member of the Smart Automation Certification Alliance, also known as SACA. For those in our audience who aren't familiar with this organization, SACA is a nonprofit organization providing certificates and certifications for Industry 4.0 at a variety of levels, from the associate level all the way through the professional level and everything in between. This will certainly help attain the governor's 60 by 30 goal. What can you tell us, Bill, about why GRCC chose to become a member of SACA? 
That's a good question, Matt. And one of the main reasons is because we, as many other institutions, we are focused even more so now on what does a stackable credential process look like? How do we start stacking, even being more intentional around stacking credentials toward an associate degree? And so what SACA does for us, this helps us even more in our process of building stackable credentials so that people are hitting those markers of success that encourages them to go for that next marker, stacking on stacking, so that they experience success here, it encourages them for success on the next level as well. And SACA and these credentials help us in shaping and driving all of those stackable credentials. So that's a great partnership that I look for us to see how much more we can do to, again, inch at and cut away from at that uh, goal of 60 by 30. And in partnership with SACA and, and many other organizations, because they're certainly not the only solution, but I know that I know that that's going to be a key part of your attaining that 60 by 30 goal in your state of Michigan. Dr. Bill Pink, president of Grand Rapids Community College, our guest on the TechEd podcast. We are going to turn our attention now to the subject of workforce. As we mentioned in the introduction, Dr. Pink has a tremendous background in the world of workforce, what many would call the non-credit side of technical education or of a community college. You know, Bill, one of the observations that I've had, and as you know, I spent 20 some years leading American manufacturing companies. You know, if we look back to five to 10 years ago, I can tell you that the employers that I spent time with, you know, a lot of us, and I was part of the problem, kind of pointed the finger at education and said, you know, why aren't we getting more students from our technical and community colleges? Why aren't we getting more students in technical programs while they're still in high school? And I think that kind of blame game has morphed for many employers into taking more and more responsibility for partnering with colleges, for partnering with educators, asking how they can help, understanding where some of those barriers that we talked about earlier are in the process of, of reskilling the workforce. I think more and more employers are starting to see the value of actually owning this responsibility themselves for reskilling their own people, not just looking to educators for how do you get me more skilled talent, but looking internally and say, how do I take these people that I already have and bring them to a point where they've got additional skills, additional competencies, and can add more value in my business? What do you think with regard to the responsibility of employers for the reskilling and the lifelong learning of their incumbent employees? Matt, that's, it's a great question. I will say that I think part of that is our fault because I think it alludes to what I spoke about earlier. So if you're a company or a business and you're trying to establish relationship with a higher education institution, two year or four year, doesn't matter. If you're trying to do that, and when you come to us and you say, look, here's what I'm trying to do. We have a workforce that we need and we need X, Y, and Z as far as that talent is concerned. Here's what we need. And if we sit there and look at you and say, that is great. It's going to take us about a year and a half to get that stood up. And we're going to go through that with you, but it's going to be about a year. And I think you also need, so that's our history. And I know that because I've seen it. I've been a part of it. The more that you say that to a company that, you know, it's going to take us a long time to do it, or, well, we can't really build that because you just don't have, you know, we can't just do that for just your company because it's just that the more we tell that to companies, I don't blame them for saying, you know what, Never mind. We'll do it on our own. So what has to happen, while I can't tell you that we are have perfect and have arrived uh, at the right spot, I can tell you we're in a much better place than we used to, that now it's more about how can we work with you to build that with you 
Because for us, from our standpoint, it may mean it's a good opportunity to do some customized training with you. So your company only has 15 people. Okay, how can we build that for you and with you? And we'll even deliver it for you. Because the advantage we can bring is that if we're talking industry credentials, industry-recognized credentials, then now those are credentials that if they also are in some of these classes on our campus, some of these skilled trades classes that do have what I call credit currency behind them, now that we've done that with your company, and by the way, that was a machining certificate that we provided for your company. Now let's talk about what class that fits in so that we can put some credit to it so that now, which is a beauty of the community college, we need to be working toward making sure that as much as possible, as it makes sense, that we can add some of that credit currency so that now those employees that we're talking about that, that you needed as a company, not only have we helped in training them, but at some point, if that person says, you know what, I think I want to get, go ahead and finish an associate degree. They have a relationship with the college. They have some credit coming behind it so that there's been progress made and there's relationship built. But our biggest gap is when we do not take time to build relationships with our partners. No wonder they go and set up their own training programs. When they look at me and say, you know what, Bill, our community college is not working with us. I can tell you that with the last administration in Washington, I would have some of those folks from the DOE say to me, and they did say to me, Bill, you need to help us out because what I keep hearing is companies coming to us, Department of Ed, telling us that colleges and universities aren't working with them. All right. What that tells me on that, Matt, is I sit here and I preach that sermon time and time again about what GRCC is doing, and that's great and all. But if we don't have that going on across the country when it comes to community colleges, then there are gaps that we are creating for our employer partners. Coming to the table and having the conversation is point one that needs to happen, and we've got to do a better job of that. In true Bill Pink fashion, taking responsibility yourself rather than pushing it off on somebody else. I love the way you approach that that question. I know you spend, Bill, a lot of time with your industrial employers, and you have just some phenomenal industries in the western part of Michigan where your college is located. And I know you spend a lot of time with those industrial employers. As you talk with them, as you, as you talk with, with CEOs, with, with plant managers, with people in human resources, what do you hear from them that they think is standing in the way of their businesses taking responsibility or finding opportunities to train their own employees as they try to address the skills gap, try to fill that gap that's been created by the shortage of skilled talent? The thing I hear most on that, Matt, and it doesn't matter in these days, it doesn't matter what sector that I'm talking about, all of them, it starts before the idea of doing training within their, either with us or within their own shop. It starts way back here of not even having talent walking in the door. So all of them are telling me, Bill, we need people. We need people. We need people. And I sometimes will say, you know what? I get it because everyone else is telling me, what does that person look like that you're needing? Tell me what that person looks like. And I don't care if it's healthcare, manufacturing, construction, doesn't matter. They say, well, you know what, Bill, we're looking for someone probably a bit different than what these are. I know that everyone else is looking, but we're kind of looking for someone different. Well, really, who's that? Well, we're just looking for someone who has a desire, who has skills, who uh, has the soft skills, Who and I'm sitting there going, yep, that's what healthcare told me too. So what I talk to those CEOs about in turn is moving away from just being focused on awareness, making people aware of what you do, 
and make sure that awareness is tied to attraction because it's now competition, not just with other manufacturers to manufacturers, manufacturing, you're now in competition with healthcare, with IT, with construction. These folks are coming to us and they're looking for that career path that's going to help them feed themselves and feed their family comfortably. And they're looking for somewhere that they feel like they can make a difference. If you're not attractive to them, you can attract an individual here at GRCC. You can attract one of our students who thought that he or she was going to go into healthcare. You have the ability manufacturing, if you play it right, that you can attract them to your space because it's all about attraction now. Data in our state tells us that the number of graduates coming out of high school, that number is going to continue to trend down. So that tells us that the bodies are going to become fewer. You need to, industry, figure out what combination of awareness and attraction looks like so that students look at you and say, that's who I want to work for. Without question, you know, I spent, as, as I mentioned earlier, quite a bit of time in manufacturing. And we used to say, and I actually, I caution employers against saying this, but we used to say, give me somebody that will come to work every day, stay away from drugs, you know, and, and take a little bit of direction and we'll turn that into a great employee. One of the things I tell employers is, Look, when you tell your educators that, that's a really good message, but they also might be hearing the message that you don't care about skills, that you don't care about what somebody can do. And uh, I said, you know, if you're going to make that comment, and like I said, I was guilty of doing it too, you also have to say, but if we can find somebody that has a, a credential, that somebody has a degree that is relevant to whatever it is that we're doing in manufacturing, that that's really, really valuable and really, really important. And so it really is about in the culture of the business as well. And we talk about that a lot. You know, employees have tons and tons of choices now. And it's not just a choice of which manufacturer, but to your point, which industry do I want to work in? And so employers have to look inside and say, how do I make myself an employer of choice so that people want to come and work here? And when they get here, they stay here. I'll tell you a quick story. About four years ago, I and my team, I mean, I took uh, our workforce training folks, my dean, uh, we were asked to go and visit a, a company, a manufacturing company here in the region. They wanted to, us to visit, see what they do, and then talk about how they can develop pipeline with the college to get employees. So went out there, had a great tour, sat down in the conference room afterwards, CEO and HR, all these folks are there. So we start in on the typical questions that we like to ask companies. Not only how much do you pay? But what kind of benefits do you have? Because that's what our students want to know. It's not that they need to get paid a ton of money. They need to get paid a living wage. But they also want to know what's work life like. And they want to be able to see. So when we ask them about that, tell me what working here, compensation, all that. They were very proud to say to us, you know what? We've got a great atmosphere and everything. They said, when a person starts here, you're required to do overtime here. Because now you get to make more money. And since you're the young person, the low person on the totem pole, you're the one who gets to have those overtime hours. And so we're set there and listen to that. And again, so here's how we have, you know, the, the way we all have to think about these things. In our generation, that idea of having opportunities for overtime, we're going, cool, let's do it. The generation of our students today, we looked at them, we said, you know what? There are some people that would see that as a benefit. Many of our students, if you tell them that, they're going to walk away because they value the fact that I can work my 40 hours, but they value the fact that after 40 hours, I have my life to live. I make money to not only feed myself and my family, I make money so I can enjoy a lifestyle and I want to be able to have time 
to enjoy that lifestyle. So what we have to tell them is that what may seem good generationally in some cases, really in some other in our more recent generations, for many of those students coming out of our doors, that's not attractive. What's attractive is how you're gonna pay and how well you're gonna take care of them. And so it's so important that we are able to establish relationship close enough to our company and, and industry partners where we can have those kind of conversations with them. So how, you know, how, how much are you gonna pay me? How are you going to take care of me? What is my experience going to be like? What is the mission? What is the goal? So, you know, one of the things you talk about, you know, younger people being less interested maybe in working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week to make a pile of money. Certainly we see that trend. We also see, especially the, the younger employees in our businesses, interested in how am I making a difference? What does this company do more than just manufacturing furniture, more than just die casting apart? How are we making a difference in the world? And, and they want that meaning in their life. And so, thinking about those things and industrial employers really putting themselves in the shoes of an employee, thinking through what is that employee's life like and what do they want? And then how do I respond to that? So very important in creating that culture that will attract and retain talent. I think another aspect of that is continuing education for that employee. You know, you look back, you know, into the 1970s, you know, most manufacturers were providing their employees 50 to 100 hours a year of skills-based training at work provided by their employers, paid to be part of that training opportunity. And, and I'm a big believer that employees are looking for that as well, that how do we continue to upskill them so that they can move up in our organizations and take on greater responsibility, have more opportunities for themselves and their family. I know that's a key part of what GRCC does with your industrial employers. And one of the things that we hear from industrial employers in terms of partnering with their community colleges on the BNI or the workforce side of the college is they want flexibility. You know, we hear a lot of them saying, look, you know, the community college, it may work great for them to send an instructor to my plant every Tuesday afternoon for four hours to teach programmable logic controllers. That works great for their model. That doesn't necessarily work for my model as an industrial employer. I need to meet production requirements. I've got to have my people on the floor. I can't take 10 people off the floor for an afternoon and, and put them in a classroom. So we're hearing more and more that employers want flexibility in their training programs. Are you hearing the same thing? And are there things that community colleges should be doing to make their continuing education programs more flexible for employers? Yes, we are hearing some of the same thing. I think what we have to be focused on, again, is having the dialogue and asking the questions of what does that need to look like? The thing I would encourage employers to do is to know that we're not only gonna have that dialogue with you, but we're also gonna have that dialogue with students. And I'll give you a case in point. We stood up a program over in our workforce training area, stood up a program that is a combination ESL and machining program. So bringing in populations that would need both the ESL side as well as the skills side and being able to deliver those in one program. So that program, it was a home run, because we also involved employers in that, because we want to make sure if we're going to do something like that, employer, you need to be standing there as part of it to make sure that you're also saying to those students, yes, and we'll hire you here as well, because I don't want them going through that for no reason. So what we did with that, though, Matt, is that we ask a very similar question to what you're getting at, but we ask it of the students. So when that cohort of students came in for orientation, one of our questions that day was, What's the best day for you to have this, have these classes? Talk to us about the best time that you can do it. Is it a Saturday? Is it a Wednesday evening? And so what we did is that we heard that from students and we were able to shape that with the students to say, let's deliver it when you need it. Say to our industry partners, here's what these 
potential employers are telling us, and by the way, some of those folks in the program were incumbent workers within those companies. We got to make sure it makes sense for students and help employers to know, you know, you may tell us we need to have it at this time. Make sure that includes your incumbent workers to ask them what works best for them, because we're going to ask them that question. Because what we need to keep in mind is that your worker who's coming to us getting this training and education, they also probably have a family. They also have responsibilities that go outside the doors of your company. So how do we work together to make sure all three entities, employer, employee, institution, that all three of us have our interests at the table and all three of us are able to give to come to a place and not just the institution standing back saying, this is when this will be offered. I don't think that's the right answer. It really comes back to your discussion on leadership from earlier, paying attention and paying attention in this case to the student or the learner, to the employer and to the institution as well, and finding a model that matches all three of their needs and requirements. And so paying attention to those aspects are, are so very important. You know, on the topic of paying attention, we certainly have more and more industrial employers who are paying attention to community colleges as a partner in developing their own workforce. One of the things that we find in terms of how employers are partnering with their local education institutions, and, and I get questions like this. People will say, you know, I put a job on the job board at the community college and I didn't get a single resume. You know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from industrial employers. And, and my answer is always, do you realize that you know, my first question is, what is the name of the president, the program director, the dean of the programs that you're recruiting from? And if you don't know the answer to that question, you're not doing your job. That's not what a partnership looks like. You have to start there. We say, are you sitting on the advisory boards? Every one of these programs has an advisory board comprised of local employers. That's what is a key partner in developing curriculum, coursework, understanding what equipment, what training methods are going to be used in the programs. Are you, know, are you doing these types of things? And so are you bringing potential students, potential future employees in from the college to your place of work, showing them, as we discussed earlier, what it's like to work there? Is this a place I would want to work? You know, what are you doing to engage with the community college? And I can't tell you how many employers are just shocked that there are people that are doing that. And I tell people, if you've got five open positions for every one student that's coming out of a program and all you're doing is putting a job on the job board, you're not anywhere close. You have to be doing all of these other things. What should community colleges be doing to inform employers about all those different ways of engaging with the college and building those relationships? You're so spot on. And I'll tell you what we're doing coming up this fall. Aside from the advisory boards that you just mentioned, and by the way, that is a great avenue the reason why some don't find out about those, it's just my opinion. I think a lot of employers do not tell others about it because they want to hoard that opportunity. <laughs> I, I get it. I'd be the same way. But when people find out about our advisory boards, I don't know of a single company that we've looked at and said, no, we don't want you on our advisory board. I mean, if someone comes and says, hey, can I be, please come on. It's going to inform us more. So those advisory boards are so important to be in, involved with the college come and speak to a class. You know what? You want to come and speak and kind of talk about your company? That idea of engagement, again, opportunity for attraction, all those opportunities are there in that advisory board. But let me tell you something else that we're doing this fall. We're going to be hosting sector conversations that will include myself and our team, our workforce training team, our school of workforce development. We'll probably bring admissions, financial, we'll bring a lot of people to these tables. So it's going to be sector-based. So we'll have several meetings just with manufacturing because what we need to do is, because we're so big in West Michigan when it comes to manufacturers, we need to kind of divide those conversations into the bigs versus the midsize. And having all of them in one room at the same time really doesn't make as much sense. 
But what we're going to do is bring those CEO, bring your HR, whoever you want to bring with you. We're going to have those folks come. And the whole idea is to say, here's what we do. Here's what GRCC does. Here are the opportunities. But then to also ask, in the post-COVID world, what is it that you need? How do we need to be servicing you? We'll have, you know, divide up into tabletops and we'll have conversations with some of our team at those tables and then be able to share out and let them know that this is only the beginning. This isn't a one and done. This is the beginning of us really generating these conversations. And maybe it means that we need to generate more offerings, but we don't know that until we ask. Because one thing that I've been, I've been asked to, you know, on panels and discussions and everything. And one of my main things I talk about is how much we need to be able to get people back to work, get companies back up and running after the pandemic. That's a good message, but it doesn't work if we don't know what that looks like. And we don't know what it looks like until we talk to our companies and to our partners. That's one of the main things that's on our focused on our radar. It's construction, it's manufacturing, it's healthcare, it's IT. It's all those strong, those main sectors here in West Michigan that we know are here and that and need to have those conversations. That, that is important that we do it and then respond to it because it can't just be about bringing people in and just saying, hey, what do you need? And then dropping it. What do you need? And here's what we're going to do about it. That's going to be important for us. And if you conduct those sector-based discussions with the same level of passion and energy as you just answered that last question, there's no doubt that you're going to send that message to, uh, to your employers that you want to know what they need as they transition to the post-COVID era. Dr. Bill Pink, I want to thank you for spending time with us today on the Tech Ed Podcast. Thank you for what you do, Matt. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.